Welcome to the Kindness Podcast. I'm Nicole Phillips. Georgianne Irvine has been a spokesperson for wildlife and conservation for more than 40 years and is the director of corporate publishing for San Diego Zoo Global. She has written more than two dozen children's books about animals, including San Diego Zoo's new Hope and Inspiration series, which is a collection of animal kindness stories. Georgianne, I got to read... Um, some of these books with my nine-year-old son laying in bed at night and it was very funny because he's just to the age where he thinks that he's over picture books but he was captivated by your book Karen's Heart and um, I just want you to know that it is making a difference your pictures and your words are are really getting to the heart of things for people and I'm wondering how kindness was meant to play a role and is meant to play a role in your hope and inspiration series that you've now written for the San Diego Zoo? Well, first of all, you made my day by telling me that. that that's mm. exactly what the books are supposed to do. So I conceived this series oh, a couple years ago, and the books have just recently come out, to introduce kids to specific animals. Because animals around the world are critically endangered in many areas, and in others, they're facing a lot of threats. And I thought that if the kids could learn about a particular animal, like Karen the orangutan or Floyd the flamingo, they would identify with that animal, and it would really <clears throat> inspire them to care about that animal species and other wildlife as well. And when you read the books, there's kindness throughout the books because of the treatment by our keepers and other people, all the caretakers for the animals. And what, what we've started finding is that these books are also teaching children life lessons about being brave, about the possibility of miracles happening, about having hope. And in the Karen book in particular, so I'm really glad that you read that with your son, there's a lot of kindness in that Karen, for your listeners, had a hole in her heart when she was a baby, and there had never been any surgery to repair a hole in a heart on a baby orangutan. And so the kindness started with one of the nation's top heart-lung surgery teams volunteering their time to do surgery on Karen orangutan so that she would survive. And it just went from there with a whole community of nurses and other doctors rallying behind Karen and donating their time, and then the community rallying behind Karen's recovery because the surgery went really well, but she had a lung infection that developed, and so she was on a ventilator for a couple of weeks, and we didn't know if she would survive, so we started getting letters from the community. So this book in particular is a great illustration of kindness by a community trying to protect and save a baby orangutan. And and you capture the passion so well. It never occurred to me that that the keepers and the people who volunteered their time and the community members would all just care so much about this one uh, animal. And, and do, were you able to capture that passion because you were there along the journey or did you have people tell you about it later? I was actually there along the journey. I've been at the zoo for a very long time and I was in public relations at the time. So I was very, very close to the story. 
And I vividly remember when Karen went on the ventilator, and we really didn't know if she was going to survive. And there was an anesthesiologist, Dr. Mark Greenberg, who had been a part, a human doctor, I mean, a doctor for humans who had been a part of the team. And I remember him saying that he was not going to leave Karen's side until she got well, Mm -hmm. because she was his patient, and he cared about her, and he was going to make sure she got out of the woods. And that, to me, is a remarkable act of kindness. And then I started receiving the letters from the people around the community. And one of the things that we had been concerned about when they offered to do the surgery was that what people would say about, well, why are they doing this on an orangutan? I mean, children need this surgery too. But what we were told by the heart-lung surgery team is that no child goes untreated. And then to see the reaction of the community pulling for Karen. And so I saved these letters after all of those years. I mean, think about this happened in 1994, and Karen is a very healthy adult orangutan at the San Diego Zoo right now. And I'm not sure if you remember the letter that was in the book from the little girl who had mm-hmm. leukemia. Yes. So I saved that letter because it had really touched my heart. And, and it was a letter to Karen about a little girl who had just been diagnosed with leukemia. And she said that as soon as she was better, she would come and see Karen and that she looked forward to visiting her. And she um, told Karen to listen to her doctors and nurses. And she hoped that Karen's <laughs> medicine tasted better than hers. <laughs> so I saved, I saved this letter for all these years and we wanted to put it in the book. And she had drawn some beautiful pictures. And so once the book was designed, the publisher said, well, you have permission, don't you? to run her letter and her photo. Oh, no. <laughs> and I said, um, I don't. Ugh. But I kept the original letter, and I'd actually been afraid to find out what had happened to this little girl. Mm-hmm. I just, I, you know what I mean? I, I, yes. I just didn't know, and I was afraid after all these years to find out. So I plugged her name. Her name is Jennifer Auger. I plugged her name into Google, and up comes Jennifer Auger, nurse, Radies Children's Hospital in San Diego. And her her bio said, when I was five years old, I had leukemia. And I recovered and I beat it. So I had found Jenny who wrote the letter. It made my year. But what even made my year better was when I spoke with her for the first time. Oh. It was just magical. And what she relayed to me is that when she was diagnosed, her mother said that she had become very withdrawn, and her mother suggested that she write a letter to somebody else who was sick, and she chose Karen. And she said in that time of great darkness in her life that Karen brought her light. And to this day, Karen is Jenny's favorite animal. She visits the zoo all the time, and it's just one of my favorite stories about the Karen book because it involves kindness, it involves hope, it involves community spirit. But I, I just will never forget when I spoke and met with Jenny and, and then we, um, when we launched San Diego Global Press, I'll never forget this. I told the story and I, kept, I left people hanging and I said, well, wait a minute, I have somebody who's going to finish the story for you and brought Jenny on stage and the audience went wild. And before she left, I told her that I had something I wanted to give back to her. 
and it was her letter. We had framed her original letter and given it back to her after all these years. It was just a magical moment. Oh, wow. I, you know, I talk to people about all kinds of things on this podcast, and um, I'm not, I'm, I guess I'm not a super easy crier, but this makes me weepy. Like, just <laughs> well, thinking about Jenny too. and, oh. And, and what's happened with this particular book, I am amazed at the letters and emails I've started getting from parents. So some of the parents say, my child had open heart surgery similar to Karen's, but I was never able to explain the process to them. And your book has done what I couldn't do. Mm -hmm. And then I've gotten letters from parents saying, um, my child has a heart condition, is, is going to undergo open heart surgery. And after reading Karen, my child has hope and my child is brave and says, if Karen can do it, I can do it. And that's where it comes in. These books are doing far more than I had originally intended, mm -hmm. which was to introduce children to wildlife, but it's introduced them to life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, when you look at the pictures of, of Karen specifically in that book, it's she looks little and vulnerable like a baby and she's got tubes and things like that. So I could see yeah. how, how for a child that would be very comforting to know, okay, all right, this is what this might look like. And then Karen becomes healthy and yeah. Right. Mm. So and, and today she's mm -hmm. very healthy. I mean, she's, we call her the little princess. She, she likes to have her own way and she loves to sit by the window and look at people and she's friends with, we have a, a lesser ape called a Siming in the exhibit with her and, and, Karen is friends with the Simangs, and, and she turns somersaults and has taught everybody else to turn somersaults. So it's really, <laughs> it's really special to see her now because of the kindness of the San Diego uh, medical community and the community in general. Does she have a different perspective on humans or relationship with humans because of spending so much time uh, with humans as an infant? Our, our orangutans no humans. I mean, they're very, very intelligent. We don't go in with them, and they're definitely primates, but she does things like she has learned if there's something that has fallen in the enclosure that shouldn't be there, she knows that if she takes it over and tosses it to the keeper that she'll get a reward for that. Oh. So she's very bonded in particular with her keepers, but then there are people who visit every day, and she loves to sit there and, you know look at them through the window and communicate. And she's mm -hmm. very amused by all the people who come and see her every day. So she loves being an orangutan, but, but she does is familiar with humans as well. Mm -hmm. But I like to remind people that she's not a human. She's definitely an orangutan. But I think people don't realize how intelligent these animals are. It, it's truly remarkable. Do you think, feel like that's one of the struggles that you face when you're working with animals and humans in conservation is that there's just a disconnect there for people? I think there is a disconnect with some people. And, you know, I look at the world today and I, I look at, <clears throat> you know, the poaching crisis with animals like rhinos and elephants. And I, and I do know that there are people on the ground floor of those types of things trying to eke out a living for their family. But then I also see the greed on the upper levels. And I think we have seen when people can connect with an animal, it changes them when they see it. And, and I know in some of our conservation projects, our organization and others have actually employed poachers to 
help, you know, they've redeemed themselves and they've stopped poaching and they actually are helping us with conservation because they've seen animals in a different light. We have a program in Kenya where we introduce some of the Maasai women to lions and other animals to show them how amazing they are because in their mind they'd already they always attack their their livestock. Right. And once they got to know how magnificent they are, we've got conservation rangers who are women now who said we will never hurt another lion. We have, you know, changed our ways because you've introduced us to the wonders of wildlife and we need to learn to cohabitate with them. So the purpose of these books for me is to introduce children to animals on a really heartfelt level. And I think that people learn by stories. Mm -hmm. You can throw out all the facts you want about cheetahs or orangutans, but when you can introduce anybody, adults, children, to a story about an individual animal, they really connect with that animal. And I I think it does inspire them to care more. Mm Mm-hmm. Sometimes I feel like it's hard because, you know, I might care, but I'm sitting in Aberdeen, South Dakota right now, right? I'm far away from mm-hmm. any sort of a, a zoo I'm, or a nature preserve mm-hmm. or anything like that. So how can the average person help with wildlife conservation? Well, it begins in their own backyard, actually. So I don't know what kind of wildlife you have in South Dakota, but I think part of it is appreciating the wildlife that you have. And, and I think it's important, kids can't do this, but adults really need to look at the candidates they're voting for. And if you really care about wildlife, take a look and see if that person is going to help support conservation me- measures. Um, for kids, they can do simple things like recycling and saving water and, and all of those types of things. I also think that supporting different conservation organizations and the work they do and the local zoos can really help put your best foot forward on behalf of animals and wildlife. For me at home, I have hummingbird feeders in my yard that not just hummingbirds use, but a lot of the other birds I have. um, We've got a drought here in California, so I have plants that don't use a lot of water. And I love it when the rabbits come into my yard and the lizards and, and, if you can get to know your own local wildlife and appreciate it, I think it can help you appreciate wildlife around the world. And the world is one giant ecosystem and everything is interconnected. And, you know, there are places, I just spoke with somebody yesterday about bats in Palm Springs in the desert. And these are insectivore bats. And what people don't realize is if you lose the bats, you're going to be overrun with insects because they eat the bats. That's an interconnectedness. And you're going to find that all over the world, wherever you find any type of wildlife or habitat, that it's all interconnected. And, you know, for us to survive on the planet, it's important that our ecosystems and our animals survive as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For me, I just say the animals deserve to survive because they're special. But I think for other people who say, well, so what? It's like, yes, so what? Your survival does depend on on what we are doing to this earth. And Jane Goodall, I'm so fortunate that she's a really good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget when she told me that if we would just give Mother Earth a chance to heal, even just a little bit, she will heal and plants will grow back and animal species you know, will, will come back. And I always remember that when I'm depressed at 
hearing some of the news out there about, you know, another rhino was poached or three elephants are being poached a, a day. I, I have to have hope because Jane has hope. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. That's a that's an act of kindness in itself, I think, that um, people can help other people have perspective on it, right? And and yeah. say, okay, we are working on this. We You are not the only one uh, hurting about hurting in this situation right. and, and let's be together on this. That's, that's pretty special in that itself. Is, that is very special. And that, that is critically, critically important. I mean, just look in the eyes of some of these animals and, mm. and you just see, for me, I see a reflection of myself and they are smart and it doesn't matter what the species is. They, they belong on this earth with us because they are a part of earth and the reason that we are all here and and great apes in particular hold a very special place in my heart um i was in i was in borneo a friend of mine ran the orangutan foundation and there was a baby orphaned orangutan and its caretaker was sick that day so a friend of mine cared for this baby and she was the mother of a couple kids and she said i'll never forget she said when I, she said, orangutans have 97% of our DNA. And she said, when I looked into the eyes of that baby and I held her, she said, I don't know where the other 3% were because I felt she was just like me. Oh. It was really quite a remarkable experience. And of course, they are not humans, mm-hmm. but they, they do think and feel. It's, mm-hmm. it's without a doubt. We'll get back to our conversation with George Ann Irvine from the San Diego Zoo in just a moment. But first... Our kindness call. Hi, this is Shana Hayes. I'm in Gainesville, Florida. Um, mine is a kind of a brief story. Um, basically, it was I was trying to fly home from North Carolina to Florida, and I'd had a few mishaps with trying to get home. And when I finally got to the plane that was going to take me home, I was having a lot of anxiety, and I kind of suffer from anxiety much of my life. But this was really bad. Um, I was one of the last, I was actually the last person on the plane because I'd been running across the airport. And then when I sat down on the, uh, on the airplane, I remember I was feeling just really overwhelmed, but I was glad I was sitting down, but I just still was feeling very anxious. Um, the, uh, the person who was uh, helping me on the airplane was, had put my, uh, one of my bags away. Um, anyway, to make a long story short, um, somebody, this man got up and walked over to me. He was a young, he was a young man. And he said, um, it looks like you're having some anxiety. Can I do something to help? And I thought about it and I was like, well, my medicine is in my bag over there. And I was so anxious. I couldn't actually stand up and walk over and get my bag and get my medicine out for myself. And so he said, you know, this one over here? And I said, yes. And he went over and he got my bag and he brought it to me. And he helped me, like, get it open. I got my medicine out and, and zipped it back up, and he put it back for me, and I took my medicine. And um, in about 20 minutes, I was feeling so much better, so much better. And I just thought, you know, how amazing that he did that, that he saw somebody, and, and he cut through the awkwardness of it and, and came and asked to help anyway. And I wasn't speaking. I wasn't crying. He just saw, I guess, in my face. And um, he didn't have to do that, but I, that was a long time ago. It was probably about 10 or 15 years ago, but I still think about it now. And 
it sort of helped me to make sure that I don't just let things go. So if I can do something to help, even if maybe it just seem like it would be easy to do or <clears throat> maybe awkward, you know, just to just to do it anyway. And um, so I've taken that with me, and that is something that changed my life. So there you go. Bye. Did you know you can be on the Kindness Podcast? Call the Kindness Hotline with your story. You can leave us a voicemail at the number in the description of this podcast. Now, back to the show. So somewhere along the way, you fell in love with animals. I'm wondering if you had a first pet or something that really just, something that resonated with you and said, aha. I grew up in San Diego and we lived on a canyon and canyons were a little bit wilder in those days. And we had... coyotes and rabbits and even snakes and I just fell in love with animals and then when I was two my mother started taking me to the San Diego Zoo and that just solidified my love for animals and I didn't get my first pet until I was probably 10. I mean I had I did have turtles and things like that but my first pet was Buster Brindle Irvine a Boston Terrier (laughs) and he just won my heart and to this day I have Boston Terrier. <laughs> I have three right now. But but I really learned about loving another being as a child because he needed care. He needed play. He needed food. And, and having him as a pet even instilled my love for animals more, although my visits to the zoo most certainly did. So I think I was really fortunate in that I grew up with animals around me. And I think today, in some of the urban areas, there's something that's called nature deficit disorder that uh, an author, Richard Louvre, coined. And what that is, it's that a lot of kids aren't outside. They don't play outside anymore. They're not out in the park. Right. And so they're missing an appreciation for nature. So one of the things that, that kids can do and parents can do with their kids is take them to the park, take them outside you know, get them off their, their iPhones and their iPads and, and go, you know, drive to the desert and, and just start to appreciate nature um, because that's really important for our future. What a joy to talk to you today, Georgianne. Is there anything you want to share with our viewers that, that we've missed in this conversation that's important to you? Or viewers. I Did I like say viewers? Share- I meant listeners. I... <laughs> I- I would I would like to share with them that please, you know, take another look at wildlife. If you haven't had a chance to visit your local zoo or go to one of our national parks, please do it. And and I've heard people say, well, my zoo has a bad some, such and such enclosure. And my answer to that is, well, then support them. Go there. And people say, well, I can see giraffes on video. And it's like, no, there's nothing like standing alongside a giraffe and hearing it and smelling it and listening to it, it will change your life. So just appreciate wildlife around the world and appreciate wildlife in your own backyard because it's all, it's all very special and it, it's an important um, part of this earth. Okay, Georgianne, I was going to let you go, but uh, I, I need <laughs> to hear one final kindness story from you. There is one of the most wonderful philanthropists anywhere in the United States. His name is Denny Sanford, and he is from your home state, South Dakota. And Denny 
has been very generous to many organizations, but he, he's done many things for San Diego Zoo Global as well, including he's helping us build our new children's zoo. But there's something he has done that for me especially stands out. We, one of my friends is our marketing director, and she got a call, she got an email from a nurse who said, thank you for Panda Cam. And that was a live camera that, you know, showed our pandas doing what they do all day long. And she said, thank you for Panda Cam, because I have found that when my patients watch animals on Panda Cam, they get well faster, they don't hurt as much, it helps them forget about their illness. It's just worked wonders on my 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 um, patients. So my friend shared this story with our CEO who said, okay, this is what we need to do because it's the right thing to do. We need to create a children's animal television channel to be broadcast in children's hospitals, no commercials, 24-7, and we need to create this and do it you know, for no cost and just offer it because it's the right thing to do. So guess who steps into the picture to fund this? Denny Sanford. He gave us a multi-million dollar grant to get San Diego Zoo Kids Channel off the ground. And now this channel is in more than 200 children's hospitals and Ronald McDonald houses. And what happens is whenever we open in a new city, we are able, because of his generosity, able to send a video crew to film stories about the animals, the zoos, the wildlife projects in that particular city and integrate them into San Diego Zoo Kids. And we have started finding that we're actually doing studies that indeed that nurse was right. It's helping kids forget about their illnesses. It's helping kids get better faster. It's just working wonders for children in hospitals and their families and even the medical staff. And this is because of the generosity of Danny Sanford that we're able to do this. And, and I have heard stories and seen it with my own eyes. And let me tell you, we're all around the world in children's hospitals as well. And we're growing. And it's just one of the most special things ever. And for our CEO to have said it's, we're doing it because it's the right thing to do. Right. Plus, right. It, it just, I don't know, it's just an act of kindness a million fold that is benefiting children everywhere. Yeah. Yep. We can't, we can't take away the fact they've got, got to go through it, but it sounds like uh, thanks to your CEO and your whole crew and you and Denny, it, it's, people are working together to make that time a little bit easier, and that is, that is a special act of kindness. I'm so glad you shared that with us today. Well, thank you for letting me share it because it is something very, very special. A few years ago, an Australian colleague contacted me and said there was an Australian family coming to the United States and that their son Harrison had terminal cancer. And he asked if I would do something special for this little boy at the zoo. So I contacted our keepers and I set up passes for them. And one of our keepers, Bob Cisneros, was really, really busy. He was our children's zoo manager, but he took the time to show little Harrison 
a pangolin, which is a scaly mammal, a macaw, and a few other animals. And it was supposed to be, you know, Harrison's last big trip before he passed. So fast forward five years, and the Australian colleague who had asked me to take care of Harrison and his family came to visit me, and he said, I want to show you something. He whips out his computer, and he puts on a video, and it's from Harrison. And Harrison said to me, thank you for showing me the pangolin. He said, when I met those animals, it gave me the will to live. (gasps) And somehow I recovered. And to this day, the pangolin is my favorite animal. This boy was supposed to die. Yet something, when he met those animals in the act of kindness from our manager, who was very busy, but he felt he wanted to show this little boy animals, this gave this kid the will to live. And that to me, is one of my all-time favorite stories. And that is why it ties directly in with the kids' channel, the animal channel, because there are instances where it does change children's lives and give them the will to fight more than they were fighting before. Mm. Amazing. Amazing. You need to write some more books, Georgian. That's what you need to be doing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I I have a lot in the works, including the newest one that came out. I think a lot of families are going to really relate to. It's about a baby monkey who was raised by his grandma. And I think that will resonate with a lot of families. Oh, yes, it will. Yes, it will. Thank you for your time today. How fun. Thanks, Nicole. Thank you for letting me tell all my stories. That was a conversation with Georgianne Irvine from San Diego Zoo Global. Thanks for listening to The Kindness Podcast. It's produced by WOUB Public Media and relies heavily on the kindness of engineer Adam Rich. I'm Nicole Phillips. We hope you'll subscribe to The Kindness Podcast wherever you listen and find us on social media at Kindness Podcast. If you like the show, please spread some kindness in the review section. 